grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. seventh Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Ezekiel chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. The Spirit entered into me as he spoke to me and brought me up to my feet. Then I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the people of Israel to a disloyal nations who have been disloyal to me. They and their fathers have rebelled against me to this very day. These children of mine are brazen-faced and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you are to tell them that this is what the Lord God says. Then whether they listen or do not listen, for they are a rebellious house, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at the 7th verse. St. Paul writes, Therefore, to keep me from becoming arrogant due to the extraordinary nature of these revelations, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me so that I would not become arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he would take it away from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will be glad to boast all the more in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may shelter me. That is why I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. His disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. They asked, Where did this man learn these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to this man? How is it that miracles such as these are performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own house. He could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went around the villages teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. 
like to read this section once again. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. His disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did this man learn these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to this man? How is it that miracles such as these are performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Aren't his brothers here with us? Or his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own house. He could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went around the villages teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, I remember the first time that I was asked by my home pastor who uh, confirmed me and who is now enjoying the glories of heaven. He asked me if I would come. I was at the seminary, and I was just uh, coming home for the weekend. And he asked if I would help with communion. Now, this was a rather large church. We could easily commune over 20 people at one time. So he always needed help. Otherwise, the people that started out would be kneeling for a very long time after they got the bread, and especially when he came back with the cup. At that time, you didn't even offer individual cups. It was only the common cup. The very first time that I gave communion, he asked me to hand out the bread, and he would come right behind me with the cup. He was experienced in the cup, and I wasn't. And I was thankful that at least I could hand out the bread. I can't tell you who the first person I gave communion to. In fact, I can't even picture their face. But I, can, I do remember this, that I was shaking so bad when I was giving communion because I was so nervous. And you've got to understand, this is your home church. These are people you know. All I can remember is that first person with their head all over the place trying to grab the bread <laughs> as I'm going and shaking so bad. I was so nervous. And of course, after practice and after a while, that goes away. But I do recall seeing, or the very first time that I was actually asked to come back and preach a sermon at my home church. I worked hard on the sermon, and I made sure that it was memorized. But you still get nervous. That never goes away, by the way. And as I stood before the people, oh, I remember my Sunday school teacher, and she said in second grade I was a little brat. She never thought I would ever become a pastor, and she was so proud of me that she had me in school. But then as I was preaching the sermon, I'd look up, and here's my mom bawling, crying. Now, if anyone's thinking that she's crying because she felt that it was so pitiful, the sermon, and she was so embarrassed, it wasn't true, because she's always told me that she was crying because of such joy in her heart, and she was so proud. And I'm holding to that story. <laughs> so, with my mother crying, it became very difficult to preach that sermon. 
as I'm watching her and trying to remember what I should be saying. So when I hear that Jesus preached in his home, hometown of Nazareth, he wasn't born there. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. I can't help but wonder what Mary must have thought the first time she heard him preach. We don't even know if she was even there. But the people who are there are the people of the hometown. This wasn't a very large town at all. So people knew who Jesus was. And at the very least, they had heard about him and Mary and Joseph and, and, and the others. And what is interesting is, is we're told that their response was one of amazement. But not amazement because they were so proud that, that Jesus was now a teacher and a preacher and a prophet going around and, and, and ultimately giving a name for Nazareth. But really their amazement came with contempt. And we hear it right from the question they asked when they heard him teach. Where did this man learn these things? They didn't say, where did Jesus learn these things? Where did the teacher learn these things? Where did this prophet learn these things? No, where did this man learn these things? They despised what he was preaching and what he was doing. Now keep in mind, many Bible scholars believe that the episode of Jesus preaching in Nazareth um, which is recorded in Matthew, Luke, and also here in Mark, are all one and the same. So many teach that he only preached there once during his entire ministry. But because of these words, his disciples followed him. Many believe, and many scholars believe, that he actually preached there twice. The first time would have been after he was baptized, after that, he went out into the desert where Satan tempted him during that 40 days and 40 nights. And then after that, we hear of Jesus going up to Nazareth to preach. This time, we hear of Jesus actually up in Capernaum, leaving Capernaum, coming down to Nazareth. And as we heard last week, up in Capernaum, he just healed a 12-year-old girl and brought her back from death. That was the daughter of Jairus. So quite possibly, Jesus preached there twice. And you're talking about eight months between the two. And if he's coming back there twice, he had been rejected the first time. In fact, they were so upset by what he was preaching that they actually took him out to a cliff to throw him off. But by a miracle, he walked right in the middle of them and walked away. Here we have none of that. But where did this man get these things? And these things are referring to the amazement that they had. Remember, amazement with contempt that they had concerning his wisdom as well as his miracles. But they weren't awed about Jesus Wisdom simply because he made a name for himself, because he's, 
he went and got several PhDs, and, and he has now written books, and he's coined phrases, and he's been on talk radio and the media outlets, and, and he has looked upon people as an expert in theology. No, they were awed by his wisdom because he continually opened the scriptures to them. That's how his wisdom was seen. He would continually refer back to the Old Testament. That was the scriptures at the time. The New Testament wasn't written yet. He would continually go back and show them all the prophecies and show them how those prophecies were all fulfilled in him. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Which reminds us that the Old Testament is not just some old book, and now that we got the New Testament, we can throw the old out. No, the old is prophecy. The new is fulfillment. We need to continually go back to the old. Jesus did. And also see that over and over again, those prophecies of old pointed to Jesus. And as you've heard me say, those were like fingerprints, and they matched Jesus perfectly. He truly is the Savior of the world, without a doubt. Scripture proves it. Now concerning the miracles, well, the miracles, those were Jesus demonstrating his power. And, of course, miracles, over and over again, demonstrated that Jesus is the true Son of God. He was doing the impossible that no one else could do. That he wasn't just simply the son of man. Yes, he was fully God and fully man in one person. That's the kind of savior we needed. In fact, it's the only savior we truly need. And once again, Jesus is that savior. His miracles proved it. And I find that complete comforting. To know that my God has almighty power. My savior has almighty power, not just to hear my prayers, but the power to answer those prayers. Because Jesus could have done miracles to simply show off, but he did not. He constantly used his miracles to help and serve. So the next time you pray to the Lord, God, not my will, but your will be done. Knowing that God will answer your prayers not only in the best possible way, but at the best possible time. No, without a doubt, he has the power to do so. And he does. Now that's amazing. But they weren't amazed. Remember, this is amazement with contempt. In fact, when, when they spoke of his wisdom and his miracles, they were actually offended. This is... This is in the original language, the word where we get the, the English word scandalous from. It's the Greek word skundalon. And skundalon simply was a trap that you used to capture birds or small animals. So they saw his words and his miracles as simply a trap, a trap for evil. They considered what he was doing sinful. And then it's not surprising when we hear the word. Where did this man learn these things? Isn't this the carpenter?
carpenter. Usually we hear of Jesus being referred to as the carpenter's son, but here they refer to him as the carpenter himself. Did Jesus make furniture? Did some of these people enjoy his furniture? We do not know. But clearly, they did not see him as a prophet. They did not see him as a teacher of God. They certainly did not see him as their savior. They saw him as simply a blue-collared worker. Isn't this the carpenter? And isn't his brothers, and four of them are listed, and is he not the son of Mary? And aren't his sisters here with us? no doubt married and living among them, staying in Nazareth. See, they could see Jesus as the Son of Man, but they refused to believe that he was truly the Son of God. There's just no way he could be. And so it is not surprising that they were offended by him. Notice how powerful unbelief is. Rejecting and denying the true God is absolutely nothing to joke about. And notice what is getting in the way uh, and included in their unbelief. Their own human reasoning, which is exactly what Satan would love, that evil angel, that enemy of God, who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. He tempted them to certainly question and, and doubt God's love and God's word which is really ultimately the definition of unbelief. But he got them to exchange God's word for their own human reasoning and put their own human reasoning above what God says and does. Knowing that we have inherited a sinful nature from Adam and Eve because of the fall into sin, our, our very human reasoning is tainted and cursed by sin. See, without the Holy Spirit and without God working in our hearts by his holy word, we would see his word as pure foolishness. We are blind to the truth. It can be only revealed by God, and he does so in his holy word, through which the Holy Spirit works. So when it comes to interpreting the scriptures, we don't yearn and look and, and lean on human wisdom and human understanding because that's going to lead to all kinds of different interpretations of the Bible. And your way of interpreting is just as good as my way. When in actuality, they're probably all wrong unless they are founded on the faithful preaching and teaching of God's holy word. We let God speak for himself. And the passages we cannot even begin to fathom, we take the heart with a believing heart, knowing that his word is the truth. Yes, the absolute truth. How did Jesus feel about their amazement and being offended? Well, Jesus was amazed. He said, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own, in his hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own house. He quotes this proverb, 
making it clear he was not surprised by what they were doing. But he continued to preach and teach to them. In fact, he even went around the villages. If this truly is his second time, and I believe it is, he did not give up on these people, even though they would continually give up on him. This is pure grace and mercy that we're seeing by our Lord, and especially with his own hometown. But what was really sad is only a few allowed Jesus to lay their hand on him, on them, in order to perform miracles. It wasn't that he didn't want to perform miracles there, but only a few would come. This is how unreasonable unbelief is, how illogical, how idiotic it really is to reject, to reject the Lord in unbelief. There is nothing sane and logical about it at all. And just think of the two big blessings that they would be missing out on. Two blessings that you and I so desperately need. Two blessings that we can't live without. Two blessings that we need even for our own self-esteem and our own self-image. Two blessings that bring true joy and everlasting happiness. And that's the blessings of peace and hope. Peace that comes from the forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for us on the cross. Hope that comes to us because he conquered death and rose again with the promise, because I live, you too shall live. This is the joy. This is the gifts that we have through his holy word. And these are the gifts we can't thank God enough. And they are yours free through faith in Christ. And even that faith is a gift of God. Therefore, please, I beg of you, don't ever despise the preaching and teaching of his holy word. Don't ever take for granted reading that word even at home and saying those family prayers and having those family devotions as you join even your children around the holy word of God that they too may know who their Savior is and Jesus is their Savior. We are one generation away from total unbelief. And we thank God that he has entrusted to us not only with the word to know, but with the word to share. And God, help us share it, not only at home, but also to the ends of the earth. As we continue to grow in that word, you will grow in understanding and knowing that Jesus is not just some man. He is your Lord and only Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org.
Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.